0: good morning good afternoon and good evening whatever time you're listening to this please welcome to the market color podcast this is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with an up-to-date overview of the kenyan financial markets however due to the interconnected nature of the global economy we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in the financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That is why I created the Market Color podcast to call it and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. This is episode number 39 and this week we are reviewing the performance of the Kenyan markets during the third week of 2023. That is from Monday the 16th to Friday the 20th of January. And without further ado, this is your host Jamuhuri and together let's dive right in. We kick it off in Davos, Switzerland, where Friday marked the conclusion of the World Economic Forum, where leaders and policymakers were discussing the key issues affecting the global economy. And one of the issues that generated extensive debate at the forum was about China's decision to reopen its economy and the impact this will have on global inflation. On the one hand, some argued that China's reopening will restore supply chains, which could help to ease some of the price pressures in the global economy. However, on the other hand, there was concern that China will now be consuming more energy, and this could add to the current levels of inflation through higher energy prices. Whilst the World Economic Forum was winding down, China reported that its economy grew by 3% in 2022, which was below the official target level that was previously set at 5.5%. In addition to economic growth, China also released the latest data on its population, which surprisingly showed that for the first time since the 1960s, China's population declined in 2022, by about 850,000 people, to 1.41 billion, but still remains the most populous country in the world. Moving over to the United Kingdom, the British Office for National Statistics reported on Wednesday that inflation in the UK softened to 10.5% in the month of December, and this was down from 10.7% in November. The core consumer price index, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, was steady in December at 6.3%. However, despite a series of interest rate hikes by the Bank of England, inflation in the UK remains elevated, mainly due to higher energy prices, which are the result of European Union sanctions on Russian oil and gas. On Wednesday, the Bank of Japan opted to maintain its ultra-easy monetary policy as it left its benchmark interest rate unchanged at negative 0.1%. This decision prompted the Japanese yen to fall against the U.S. dollar and leaves the Bank of Japan at odds with other major central banks, which have hiked interest rates in a bid to tackle rising inflation. Japan's inflation rate jumped to a fresh 41-year high of 4% in the month of December 2022. A warring sign in the United States and maybe an indicator of things to come, as Google on Friday announced that it will lay off about 12,000 staff from its workforce. Google is the latest major U.S. technology company to cut jobs amid fears of an oncoming recession. On Wednesday, Amazon also began a fresh wave of job cuts, affecting more than 18,000 employees. And on the same day, Microsoft announced plans to lay off 10,000 workers. Meanwhile, Twitter has already slashed about 50% of its headcount since Elon Musk took over as CEO in October 2022. And in the U.S. equity markets, stocks rallied on Friday to close the week stronger after initially losing momentum earlier in the session. The Dow Jones Industrial Average added 331 points to close at 33,375 while the S&P 500 advanced 1.9% to 3,972. And meanwhile, the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite rose 2.6% to end the week at 11,140. The Nasdaq was the outperformer for the week, posting a gain of 0.55%, whilst the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 finished the week lower by 2.7% and 0.66% respectively. The recent stock market rally has seen all the major averages remain in positive territory so far this year. In the U.S. bond market, the yield on U.S. treasuries rose higher on Friday as investors contemplated the outlook for the U.S. economy and weighed on remarks from Federal Reserve officials. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond rose 8 basis points and was trading at 3.48%, while the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note was up by more than 6 basis points at 4.17%. Investors have been considering whether the Fed will hike rates either by 50 basis points or slow down the pace to 25 basis points at its next policy meeting that ends on the 1st of February. On Friday, a member of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors said that he would support an increase of 25 basis points at the next policy meeting and indicated that a soft recession may be inevitable in order to bring down inflation to the Fed target level of 2%. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil posted its second week of gains as it rose about $1 per barrel on Friday, driven higher mainly due to a brighter economic outlook for China, which is expected to boost demand for fuel. The International Energy Agency said on Wednesday that the lifting of COVID-19 restrictions in China is set to increase global demand for oil to a record high this year. For the week, both benchmarks gained more than 1%, with the international benchmark Brent crude rising about 1.7% to close the week, at $87.66 per barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark WTI, that is West Texas Intermediate, gained about 1.3% to trade at $81.40 a barrel. Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, increased to $83.32 per barrel, up from $81.69 the previous week. In the gold market, the price of the precious metal dipped on Friday as the U.S. dollar farmed up but was still on track for its fifth consecutive week of gains on the hope that the U.S. Federal Reserve will adopt a slower pace of interest rate hikes which reduces the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset. The price of gold fell 0.15% on Friday to trade at $1,925 per ounce, but was up 0.4% for the week on concerns about a global recession that has prompted investors to seek refuge in the safe haven metal. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And as usual, we start off by looking at exchange rates. According to the latest data obtained from the Central Bank of Kenya website, the Kenya shilling remained stable against both major international and regional currencies. At the end of last week, the Kenya shilling was valued at 124.05 versus the U.S. dollar, and 152.86 versus the sterling pound, and to the euro, it was trading at 133.82. On the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 29.67 Ugandan shillings and 18.84 Tanzanian shillings, and to the Rwandese franc at 8.66. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves remained adequate at $7.382 billion, that is equivalent to 4.13 months of import cover, which meets the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market was relatively tight during the week, as tax remittances exceeded and more than offset government payments. In addition to that, commercial banks' excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 3.1 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 5.97% compared to 5.27% the previous week. And during the week, the average value traded between commercial banks decreased to 18.3 billion shillings from 19 billion shillings the previous week. And in the government securities market, the weekly treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 19th of January. And the central bank received bids totaling 29.5 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 122%. The results of the auction showed that interest rates increased marginally but remained stable, with the 91-day rate increasing by 4.9 basis points to 9.47%, while the 182-day rate added 3.2 basis points to 9.89%. And last but not least, the 364-day rate rose by 3.8 basis points to 10.47%. For your information, 100 basis points is equivalent to 1 percentage point. And in the primary bond market, last week the central bank was in the market looking to top an additional 10 billion shillings through the sale of two reopened fixed-coupon treasury bonds that were on offer in the January bond auction. The top sale was offered on a fast-come, fast-served basis, and the central bank received bids totalling about 18 billion shillings, but accepted only 17.62 billion shillings, which was split as follows. The first bond, that is FXD1-2020-005, With 2.4 years left to maturity, the central bank accepted 13.57 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 12.879%. And for the second bond, that is FXD1 stroke 2022 stroke 015, with 14.3 years left to maturity, the central bank accepted 4.05 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 14.5%. 1.86%. 1.86%. In the equity market, during the past week, the stock market recorded a mixed performance with the NASI gaining by 0.8%, while the NSE 20 declined by 0.7%, and the NSE 25 remained relatively unchanged. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 2.4% and 0.7% for the NASI and the NSE25 respectively, whilst the NSE20 recorded a gain of 0.5%. The market's performance was mainly driven by gains recorded by large-cap stocks such as Bamburi and Safaricom, which appreciated by 4.6% and 2.5% respectively. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as Diamond Trust Bank, East African Breweries and Cooperative Bank, which declined by 3.3%, 2.3% and 1.6% respectively. During the week, equity turnover increased significantly by about 294%, and this was mainly attributed to increased foreign investors trading on Safaricom shares. However, foreign investors remained net sellers with a net selling position of about $20 million. In the secondary bond market, bond turnover in the domestic market increased by about 40% during the week. And in the international market, the yields on Kenya's Eurobonds were on a downward trajectory with a yield on the 10 year Eurobond that matures in 2024 recording the largest decline of 1.2 percentage points from 12.1% recorded the previous week to 10.9%. And that now brings us to the topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at the highlights of the budget policy statement for the financial year 2023-2024. The Budget Policy Statement is a document that sets out the broad strategic priorities that will guide both the national and county governments in preparing their budgets for the following financial year. In its draft Budget Policy Statement for the next financial year, the Treasury estimates that Kenya's economy grew by 5.5% in 2022 and projects that the pace of growth will accelerate to 6.1% in 2023. And in line with that projection, the Treasury proposes to expand the budget by 7% from the current level of 3.39 trillion shillings to 3.64 trillion shillings. To deliver on the proposed budget, the new administration plans to reduce government borrowing and increase revenue collection by broadening the tax base, whilst at the same time increasing development expenditure by at least 30%. The Treasury projects that total revenue collection will increase to 2.89 trillion shillings, with the Kenya Revenue Authority expected to raise 2.66 trillion shillings, whilst the balance of 332 billion shillings will be supplemented by government ministries and other state agencies. The proposed revenue performance is underpinned by the ongoing reforms in tax policy and revenue administration that are geared towards expanding the tax base. The policy statement shows a reduced budget deficit of 695 billion shillings which is 18% lower than the current deficit that is projected at 849 billion shillings. As usual, the bulk of the deficit, that is 497 billion shillings, will be borrowed from the domestic market, whilst the balance of 198 billion shillings will be funded from external sources. The reduction in government borrowing was expected to commence this financial year following the President's directive to cut 300 billion shillings from the current budget. The recurrent expenditure, which is predominantly used to pay salaries, is estimated at 2.42 trillion shillings, whilst the development budget is projected to rise by 33%, to 796 billion shillings as the government looks to deliver on its election promises. In terms of allocation to the three arms of government, the executive will receive the lion's share of 2.13 trillion shillings, with parliament pocketing about 40 billion shillings, whilst the judiciary is set to receive an increased amount of 20 billion shillings. Meanwhile, the allocation to the consolidated fund that holds debt service repayments is expected to receive about 910 billion shillings. And finally, the county governments will receive an additional 5 billion shillings to take their total allocation to 375 billion shillings for the next financial year. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. For your information, in addition to our usual directories, that is Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Amazon Music. The Market Color Podcast is now available on Google Podcasts. Please subscribe and remember to turn on the lights to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. And that is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a fantastic week ahead. And remember the effect you have on other people and the way you make them feel is the most important currency there is. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.